0: hello hello everybody welcome to another episode of let fear bounce so glad that you've decided to spend a small part of your day with myself and my guest today jason clausen now in 2018 jason's life was flipped upside down after his wife valerie was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer and he was terrified for himself and his small family of four nine months later they did find themselves saying goodbye to his beloved wife And no one or or thing can fully prepare you for life's challenges, trials, and pain. Now, after the funeral, he found that his support from his family and friends quickly disappeared. And he remembered saying to himself, will I ever become happier again? Will I find love again? Will I find joy again? And as a clinical therapist himself, no one had taught him about these moments that he was currently experiencing. (laughs) Jason. Jason welcome to let fear bounce and boy do we have a lot to dive into and such an important topic actually and this is one that i have found myself over and over again as life happens saying goodbye to loved ones or friends and then that support does disappear and i always say it's the three week thing after three weeks all of a sudden it's quiet and what do you do with that and how do you deal with it but first off welcome to let fear bounce i'm so pleased to meet you
1: thank you it's a pleasure i'm happy to be here and happy to share what i need to help people in their own journeys so thanks for having me
0: pleasure is all mine so let's just start at the beginning in 2018 you know you you lost unfortunately you lost your wife to colon cancer As a caveat to that, I lost my best friend on my birthday years ago to colon Mm. cancer. Oh, wow. And it got very quiet after a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I kind of understand a little, just a little Uh what you went through. Share with the listeners, you went through that journey of of Mm -hmm. having to say goodbye to your wife. Uh And you lost that support or seemingly lost Mm -hmm. that support. What is it that you did? To, did you reach out to people? Did you go into a spiral? What is it that you did to help yourself and your and your young family get through?
1: Well, I think as a as a male, I wanted to be the strong one. Um, at the time my wife was diagnosed, I put on this mask of I'm going to be strong and the mask of masculinity and. I'm going to I'm going to be the strong one because my wife's struggling. I don't want my kids to see me struggling. I don't want anybody in my support system to see me struggling. So I'd put on this mask and I'd get up and I would take care of everybody and and I was strong for everybody. And then what people didn't realize and understand is I'd get people to bed, I'd get everything taken care of and then at night I took off my mask and I would just cry because how hard and difficult it was. And then could fall asleep just, and then I'd wake up and put on that mask and do it day after day after day. And I I, I felt like I was doing a pretty good job of hiding this until I, I came home from work. And my 13 my year old son looks at me and goes, Jason, or he didn't call me Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes he does. He goes, dad, do you realize you come home angry every day? And in, in a moment, I realized I'm not doing a very good job of hiding my emotions. And I thought, I need to I need to reach out and get some help. But I was in that, that middle ground of, should I be vulnerable with everybody? Or should I just keep pretending until things got better? And, and what I've realized through this process is, you can't wait out grief. <laughs> you can't wait out loss. You, if you're waiting, it just is a miserable experience. So I made a decision. I said, I need to get some help. And then I was like, how am I going to do that? And I remember a pivotal point in my life of changing was I was working as a clinical therapist, again, going through my biggest challenge of my life, being emotionally Uh, physically, spiritually available for clients. And I was like, there's no time for me. So I remember leaving for lunch and I I went to a church parking lot. And I remember texting 14 of my friends and family and just saying, I just finally like, I'm done. I just, I need help. (laughs) I need support. This is so awful. It's harder to keep it in than being vulnerable. I thought vulnerable was better than trying to keep it in. So I text my friends and I said, can you guys meet me at my house? I want to let you in on what I'm feeling, how hard life is. Can you just show up to my house? So I remember sending that text and a relief coming over me because I, I finally let go of that mask and I started to initially invite people in. And it felt good, <laughs> but I was scared. I was like, okay, <laughs> I called my own intervention. <laughs> right? And now I got to show up and I got to tell them the rest of what's going on. But everybody that I text showed up to my house. And in my living room, I remember sitting around and looking at people that loved and cared about me. And And what I also learned is people want to help, but you almost have to give them an invitation to help. You almost have to invite them into that circle, and then it gives them permission to start asking harder questions, sitting and crying with you, or voluntarily doing things that will help you. So I took off my mask, I shared what was going on, and I just cried, and it was just, it was liberating. I remember looking around, and people are just wanting to help me. And for, for finally, I felt like I didn't have to do it by myself. And in that circle, that intervention, I, I call it a healing team. Um, what we did, and we, we had one of my, uh, my, my sister-in-law, she became the captain of my team. And the captain of the team took charge of the team. And what, what I do when I, were, I was struggling or triggered, I could text her one word, help. And what she would do is she would send a text out to our team. And what the team did in this healing team is they identified something that they could take off my plate um, to help me and something that they were good at. So an example is my parents took on my laundry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <My>, uh, <laughs> I had a friend that would do the yard work. I had a friend that would come and take the kids. I had a friend that would come and do the housework. I had someone that would text me uplifting messages. I had someone that would take me to lunch once a week. And in the circle, as soon as I needed help or it was too overwhelming, I send out that text and my team would go into action. And they would take all the stressors off until I could take them back into my life. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I don't have to suffer. I can move forward in my life because I let people in to help me. And again, I think that was the pivotal time where I began to say, I I can do this because I connected with my team. And I learned the opposite of grieving is connection. The opposite of depression and anxiety is connection. And I found the help I needed by opening up and asking them to join my circle and enjoy my healing process. So, you
0: know, and that's an amazing, an amazing journey just right there. How you, you said that you called your own intervention and you <laughs> formed your healing team. Now, I, I love that those two words put together, healing yeah. team. So often those folks that are on the outside looking in, they want to help in some way, but they don't know how. Or maybe your grief makes them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, that's just, you know, that's just being honest. I know I've been in s- numerous situations where I just push through my discomfort and say, Hey, you haven't asked, but is there anything you need? But I love how you you took it upon yourself. And then you've got that word. You had that word. You text it to the captain of the team. And she Uh shot it out to everybody else and everybody just jumped into action. It sounds so simple to do, and it makes so much sense to have that in place. I just wish every family had something like that, that they, they knew they could turn to. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm swirling. I'm in the swirl. I'm going down. Yeah. No, mayday, mayday, man down, somebody help me. But what you've, what you put together there is just awesome. And yeah, you know, I commend you for that. And that you were, you. that you were able to pull yourself up and you you found that little bit of light, just enough light to say, Hey people, I need some help. Please come over to the house. You know, yeah, that's strength. That's tremendous strength right there. And some folks just can't find it. And yeah. I, I'm so glad that you're on today that you can share that. Cause there are many, always many going through loss of some
1: sort. I I tend to tell people like cuz people are like I don't have 14 friends to jump in and and I I always say well let's start with one. Let's start with one and I and I think the key is is starting to take off that mask and be able to invite people into that circle. And at least you have one person when things are hard you can reach out. And and I always say not everybody is is good to help. (laughs) So you got to be careful who you you invite into your circle, because I I would go to church, and people would say, hey, Jason, if there's anything you need, let me know. But I always had a hard time with that, because it felt like they're putting the responsibility back on the griever. And I was already dealing with too much. I was like, I don't want another assignment. I just want you to sit with me. I want you to just show up and say, I have dinner for you. I don't care. Here's dinner for you tonight. Here's some paper products. I know you're going to need them. And I just want people to take the initiative to sit with me. One thing that I noticed was when people would say, is there anything you can do? I learned quickly to just say, say the right things and push them along because I wasn't looking for someone that wasn't going to sit with me when I was going through a hard time. And when people would sit there and say, no, Jason, how do you really feel? (laughs) Or what are you asking me the hard questions? What are you really struggling with? Then I knew I could invest and that person was worth opening up and sharing my broken heart with them because I knew they weren't gonna walk away or put the responsibility back on my shoulders.
0: And that's a good point. How you said, and you know, people they're well-meaning when they say, and you hear Mm -hmm. it, everyone hears it all the time. Is there anything I can do? It may just be noise from some people, Mm -hmm. which is just being honest. It might just be noise because that's the quote unquote, right thing to say, Yeah. but how you said, how you worded it, it felt like they were putting the pressure back on me as the griever to come Mm -hmm. up with something, a task for them to do. What a good point that is. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. And hopefully, you know, the listeners and myself, it's gonna that's gonna stick with me. That was a good little nugget you tossed out there, Jason. So thank you.
1: <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah.
0: But that's something, and I know I've said it. Is there uh-huh. anything I can do? And I never I never looked at it like I was actually tossing a, you know, more stress back on the griever. So that gives me something to think about because I never meant it in any other way, but I truly want to help. I just don't know what to say. Yeah. You know, so what an odd gosh, good nugget, good nugget there. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, out of all of this, you and your kids later on in this journey came up with an awesome program that I would love for you to share with the listeners. (laughs) So something amazing that can come out of grief.
1: Well, again, it was, I I wasn't going to sit around and wait for grief to go away. I knew I had to be proactive in helping myself. And I had two boys that I didn't want to be five years down the road and, and taking them to therapy and dealing with the stuff that I have, I avoided right now. So I was like, we got to do something to find a way to find happiness again. And the thing that me and my boys came up with is we and my kids and I started a lemonade stand to raise money to create yellow baskets of yellow stuff that could cheer people up. Um, and we were looking for people that had gone through loss and cancer. And we wanted to show up and deliver them some some good news because they've had some terrible news. So we did this neighborhood during COVID <laughs> lemonade stand. And we were hoping to raise a hundred bucks, and by the time it got done, we we accounted the Venmo and the cash, and we we raised fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> and, that and, is amazing. And my youngest goes, "We're rich. Let's keep doing <laughs> <Right>. this." <laughs> I, I, and I said, "We're not rich. It just means we can help more families." So we put together the twenty-five of these yellow baskets. And what we begin to do is we begin to focus on other people and rather than focusing on the pain that we were going through. And what we found is we found incredible healing and like this uplifting experience because we were going to the homes of people that just lost people and we were comforting those that were struggling. And we can say this sucks or we could say we know how it feels and we were bringing them light and happiness. And it was interesting because my boys, I look over a couple of times, and they were helping the kids that had just lost a dad. And I was helping the mom that just lost a husband. And then the the late one, one particular time, the lady that has gone through cancer She was talking to my boys like my wife was there. So there were so many amazing experiences that had come through this, but I think it was taking the initiative to put ourselves out there in a spot to be able to have these experiences was really valuable. And and I remember when my wife passed away and we were going through cancer, all we lived on was unhappy and sad memories and it wasn't sustainable. And it was only until we started to look for yellow things wherever we went that began to change the way we looked at life. So instead of focusing on the negative and the things we didn't have, I take my boys to the grocery store and they're like, hey, that yellow basket looks awesome. We need to grab one. Or we need that yellow blanket. And, and, and that's their That's their frame of reference is they begin to look at other other things and begin to look outside of themselves. And it almost gave us an emotional timeout from the pain we are experiencing. And it gave us a chance to feel better and feel happier. And, And up until this point, that hadn't happened for a long time. So serving and giving back was a great way to heal other people. And it became a way of life for us. And, and I remember I would post it on Facebook, our experiences, and then someone from Virginia reached out and was like, hey, I want a basket. <laughs> and, and I was like, we can't drive to Virginia. So we designed boxes and then we begin to send them out across the country because those people needed help and, and support too. So we began to go on a mission of helping people in our community as well as people that are across the country. And I remember sitting down with my boys and I said, "What what is a goal that we want to accomplish for this upcoming year?" And I remember my young boy looks at me and goes, "Let's let's deliver 50 boxes to 50 states." And I my mouth dropped and I said, Look, "That's a great goal, but I don't know if we can accomplish that." And he says, "Why not, dad?" And I looked at him. I says, "You're right. Let's go for it." And again, that became something that drove us to to help other people and not focus on the pain, but helping on people heal. And it, I I honestly think I'm I'm a therapist. I can say this. Um, therapeutically, I think this was a lot better for me and my boys than going to therapy and sitting and talking this helped us begin to heal from the inside out rather than waiting around and trying to heal by just waiting out grief.
0: Right. And, you know, grief isn't something that technically ever goes away. You, it just, it's a scar that you end up carrying with you. Yeah. You know, and, and and it's not something that you can wait out, I guess, yeah, at least in my opinion anyway, but you've got a name for these boxes. So share, share with my listeners what you named (laughs) these boxes.
1: We call these the hope kits. And because people that are diagnosed with cancer, people that have lost a loved one, or even mental health and depression and anxiety, we want to bring them hope again. Because going through those was so difficult. Even for me as a therapist that has helped people through these, <laughs> I couldn't help myself. And, and I didn't want to see people suffer. so. We want to bring hope back into their life and give them the tools and resources to see them laugh, to see them live life and enjoy life again, because it is possible after a life altering event, it's possible to experience joy again.
0: I love the name of them, Hope Kits. And for anybody listening, they've heard me say, I like tossing out nuggets of hope. (laughs) And that's been my word for this year. And it's going to continue into you know this new year that we're in in 2023. And I I actually carry little stones with the word hope engraved on them. And when I get a very strong nudge, that's how I call it. If I see someone when I'm out and about, Mm -hmm. I get that strong nudge and it's like, okay, this person needs a little nugget of hope today. Mm -hmm. And I approach them and just say, I'd like to give you a nugget of hope today. And I've gotten all kinds of responses <laughs> from yeah. smiles, laughing, tears, and recently an angry older gentleman. He was not happy, mm. but that's okay. Because maybe the next day he pulled that little stone out that I gave him and just saw that word hope. And maybe it turned his day around. And if not his day, maybe just that minute. Cause sometimes mm. that's, that's what you can get through minute by minute, you know, yeah. And your hope kits. Oh, I just, I just love, love that. So the, you've turned this into a nonprofit, have
1: you not? It's actually a business. Yeah.
0: Awesome. And I I just I think it's wonderful how that all came, that whole journey came to this. And so now this is something that you can make available to people in all 50 states. How cool is see your son wasn't wrong. He's just he was uh, he was thinking big. I
1: know, <laughs> I know. And and we've actually had requests from people outside of the United States. So we're actually in four different countries. So it's actually got bigger. So um, I I appreciate my son for challenging us so that we could accomplish maybe what what people need in the world and what people are speaking into existence. So it's just an honor and a pleasure. So
0: (laughs) it's just, and it's amazing. And I love, I love, you know, out of the mouths, the babes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I you know.
0: Uh, many times I know when my daughter was younger and we were going through some tough stuff, it would be the things that she would say or the light in her little eyes that kept me going for that day.
1: Yeah. You know, exactly. They were
0: they were that little spark of hope, that little ray of sunshine, you know,
1: mm-hmm. share with
0: the viewers where they can find more information on this on this beautiful project that you've got going. If you've got a website, how they can contact you, whatever you'd like to share.
1: Yeah, the best way to contact us is go to hopekit.com, and that has all our resources available that can help when you find someone that has lost a loved one, going through cancer treatment, or, like I said, need a ray of sunshine in their life. Um, our our resources are available. Um, we have you can get to know us by our blog of our stories and what the things that we've been doing out in the community. And um, we also have right now as we've written children's books specifically for these um, these situations, and then it allows you to have open dialogue and conversations with your friends and your family. And, and right now we we feel so important to help people. Um, you can get on our website and you can um, email them to you for free and um, As an ebook to be able to share them with friends. So you find someone that's struggling and you get their email address and you can send them these children's books to kind of lighten and bring them happiness. So just a free way to be able to help people. And then if you want to go a little bit more um, in depth, we have the resources that will help them and coach them to be happier again. As soon as you said children's
0: books, because in the back of my mind, this entire conversation, I'm thinking this man needs to get some children's books out there. (laughs) (laughs) What an amazing journey and how it's still unfolding, obviously, still unfolding. You never know where it's going to go from here. I can only, you know, it's, you're tossing, you're tossing your own version of Hope Nuggets out there. It's going worldwide, which is awesome because- we're all humans we all struggle we all go through depression and trauma and loss and grief we all mm-hmm. will one day yeah we're, we're not immune to it and what you're able to share with people all the different resources that you have that can help them over those tough times i think it's just it's awesome and i think you're truly blessed to be able to do this and the blessings that you're tossing out are immeasurable and yeah. so much of it you'll you'll never know about.
1: Yeah. Here. Well, I like to tell in the hospital after the doctor diagnosed my wife with cancer, she looked me in the eyes and said, "Jason, cancer has a way of enhancing your life." And and I remember hearing that at that time and I was mad and angry that she was telling me this. But now that I've we've done what we've done. I look back and how amazing that cancer, (laughs) the journey of cancer and my wife being diagnosed has enhanced our lives. And we've been able to be a part of so many people's lives and their healing. We've been able to share our stories and give people hope again. It's like, oh, I finally get (laughs) what the doctor was trying to tell me. And one one of these days i'm going to find that doctor and i'm i'm going to go have this conversation about getting emotional how that phrase has altered my life has altered my kids life and hopefully everybody that i come in contact with can find hope and, and joy again because going through life altering events is is just awful but what can come out of it can be such an amazing experience that has that will help you become your best self if you lean into the discomfort <laughs> if you approach it the right way and hope is waiting it's just a matter of how soon you want to find it hope is waiting
0: we're going to wrap it up right on that. <laughs> hope is waiting folks. And and you guys out there listening, you hear me say it all the time talking about hope and me tossing my nuggets. And uh, I always, I always say I walk around with my bucket of nuggets and I just chuck them at people. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some hope, yeah. <laughs> but Oh my goodness, Jason, thank you so much for being my guest. And I would love to have you on later on in the year. Uh, and see where else this amazing journey is taking you and your sons and your extended family and friends and your team, whoever else is involved in it. But thank you so much. And I know, I know that what you're doing has blessed so many people. And I know that the, those that are listening, they've been blessed by your story as well. So thank you so much for being on Let Fear Bounce. Thank you. All right, everybody out there, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, and I will be having Jason back on in a few months, folks, so stay tuned for that. This is Kim Langling, your host. Let fear bounce. Everybody be well, stay well, and be blessed.